Welcome to the All 49ers show. We're the we're all of the 49ers. I'm Grant Cohn. That's Jose Luis Sanchez the third. Get it right. Um, so the name of the show today <laughs> is uh oh, I wanted to mention I got a big bottle of that Cristalino. I went to uh I went to Costco and they had like a double bottle. I thought I was just gonna get it's hella good, by the way. Thank you. No, I it's still good. It's, it's not the same stuff. without the QR code, you know, back from the, the home, man, but it's still, code. hey, no, it's still good. That Once you, you know, once you go crystal, you don't go back. It's quite delicious. I got a big bite. Next time you come over, we'll have, we'll have some. You anyway, gotta, you got to be a person of quality. All right. So I um, needed to know. <laughs> this is why, right. this is why we put you on. This is why we revealed to you. We gave you like the, the secret code at most. Thank you. Cause I was over here drinking like Hornitos thinking like I was cultured. Ew. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. All right. The show today is where the Niners uh, have regressed and improved. So I want to go through a lot of people talking about how good they're going to be, how bad they're going to be. Let's go through it. I mean, we know their yeah. stats from last year where they ranked on offense and defense and all these different things. I, me and Jose will predict where they're going to improve on offense, where they're going to regress on, on offense and the same for defense. But first, let's do it like the news, the quarterback stuff. We're just going to do a little quarterback stuff today. A little Jimmy, a little Trey. Let's start with Trey. Since he's the future of the team, and uh, right now it's the last time for people to get in their uh, reports about how bad Trey's going to be. I mean, that's coming in heavy right now, and the latest one is the arm fatigue. He gets his arm gets tired. Apparently, he needs time off. His arm gets hurt. Elbow, elbow who knows? So he's working out with Brian and I. You right, right now. Uh, yesterday they put out they put out some clips of I of Lance throwing, and Ayuk had a little caption saying. Those three passes were the only passes of the day after that his arm got fatigued. Hilarious. What's your takeaway from this whole um, arm <laughs> fatigue gate thing? I love the clapback. I love the clapback yeah. by you. That was so clever. I was like, ah, I like the pain. It's well-deserved, well-played. Um, come on, man. <laughs> come on. I just, this, this is what makes me start to hate the offseason when it's talking about arm fatigue. I mean, has anyone ever heard of a quarterback in the professional football league ever – hear about arm fatigue i mean maybe my i'm I'm wondering if silver didn't hear like maybe inside like oh yeah his arm was sore after like maybe one or two practices because you know they have to ramp up his arm like more of his more of his workload now that he is the starter but if it's not if it's not going to be affecting him when it comes to like the season or training camp if he actually is going to miss some practices but especially the season where it's affecting him and who cares? What does it matter then, right? Because if that's a point where if we see what we, we learn, we treat this by action. So if his action is not living up to what it is saying, then okay, now we, we're going to be a little bit of a question mark, a little bit of an eyebrow razor there. But I, I kind of a little bit, I'm like just, I'm the one that's more fatigued than his arm about all this criticism, to be honest. The way that Colin Cowherd and Mike Silver um, relayed this information, they made it seem like this is the 49ers dirty little secret. And that everyone on the team knows it and they're all really concerned, but they can't say it. And that's kind of how Ryan Harris made it sound before OTAs. Um, but the way like Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk and I mean, George Kittle responded to that post as well. The way like all the big uh, leaders in the team are reacting to this news, they're all kind of scoffing at it, which to me makes me feel like the locker room's like, where is this coming from? Because I'm like, where is this coming from? I'm not there at, you know, every single practice. They shut down the practices after a certain right. point. Um, but I see everything I can, and I've never seen Trey Lance come out and not throw a single pass in a day while everyone else practices. So I'm wondering, where is this coming from? The players are wondering, where the, where is this coming from? So to me, this is just one member, maybe more than one, but probably one member of the front office 
who is looking for an excuse to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the way I interpret this. I mean, I'm sure the Niners would love to trade him for a second round pick, but that's not going to happen. So now I think someone wants an excuse to keep him. And this is could be qualified as an excuse to keep him. Yeah, plus then you have like Ten Wynn who said he te- from the Athletics texting a coach off the record saying like, I don't even know where the hell that came from. You exactly. got other people like it's like, okay, now it's like, what? Why? Why now? Like, what's the what's the what's the guy? Why everyone's taking like the whole baseball bat and just wants to keep bashing someone with that? It's it's like the whole thing about the unknown, and I think that's where I think it can come from. Maybe a coach because you know coaches you know. Win now? Is it? Can we do this? Can we use this player now? Do we have to? We don't want to wait. You know, even some players don't like that. That's why you even had like Robert Turbin, who on NFL Network said like, "Oh, I used to keep John Garoppolo." It's like it's mm-hmm. this thing with the unknown with a lot of NFL coaches. It's why they didn't want to run with Trey Lance in the first place. It's they just they just knew what they know, and it's like the the variable, the the thing that's not a constant freaks them out. Doesn't it seem like every time the 49ers try to trade Jimmy Garoppolo? and fail the way they try to create some momentum for him is I can't prove it, but off the record, sort of talking down about Trey, it's almost like they're trying to build up Jimmy at Trey's expense. And they don't understand that you're really just tearing down both of your quarterbacks. You're not really building up either one. And now again, maybe they're not talking off the record, but it seems like they freaking are. Yeah. But then it's also going to be like the split of wondering like, okay, how much was that came from Scangarella? People were reporting about. I have no idea where it's coming from. It could be coming from. That thing was all messed. That that's really where this all, that's really where the whole domino effect came from. And that guy was responsible for not for the first domino or second or third. He was responsible for like the whole first, like half, if not more. So that thing was like completely out of pocket that that occurred. But with Lance, it's just, just nothing. At least, you know, he's not getting bought. At least, you know, your teammates are getting back up to you. You know, so that's a great thing to see. They're all just laughing. I'm like, this guy looks fine to me. I mean, if anything, Lance should treat this as an opportunity. He should go talk to his agent, call Gatorade Powerade, say, hey, look, we get a little fatigued. Yeah. We are thirsty. Sometimes we want electrolytes to refresh us, revitalize us, recharge us. Yeah. And with your guys' name and likeness with Trey Lance here, with you, Gatorade, we can build a partnership and quell those rumors. So for me – Trey Lance needs to capitalize on his little slander here. So he's pretty much got to thank a little bit of Mike Silver for that. Look, I'm not saying this whole arm fatigue thing is coming directly from John Lynch. I don't know. But I do know that John Lynch traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. And for a long time, John Lynch felt he won that trade. And there aren't a lot of big-time trades that John Lynch has definitely won. He's lost some. And for him to trade Jimmy Garoppolo for a sixth-round pick or to cut him in his eyes and in the eyes of a lot of people would be – now admitting defeat on the Jimmy Garoppolo trade too, which is probably his biggest win. So I think from his perspective, and I don't know, uh, I don't know what he's saying or, or how he feels, but I think from his perspective, it's more um, appealing to just hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't let him go. Let him go as a free agent. Cause then you never really know what you, what he was worth. You never really took that L it's just that Trey Lance was even better. And took his place, but Jimmy was still good, and Jimmy was there and available to be a backup if Trey Lance's arm got tired. I just feel like that again. If the Bucks call up or the or the, the Browns, they're like, "We're desperate. We'll give you a second round pick for Jimmy." I think the Niners, everyone, the Niners would be great with that. Short of that, if if Cleveland says we're desperate, we'll give you a a, a fourth. I don't know if the Niners will do it, and I think it's because of this. Yeah, they crazy. better do it because this it thing is like getting completely out of hand and starting to like very like just like I said, fatigue me out. Like okay. these guys are just setting up their own guy for just complete just 
question marks. Like they thought last year was annoying with like people like you and other people in the media like asking about tra- uh, uh, quarterback questions. Like mm-hmm. the longer you keep Garoppolo on your roster, whether he shows up or not, especially if he shows up, by God, that's going to be extremely weird. Then you're just pretty much creating all this drama for no reason, all this like unnecessary questions that are going to piss you off, and then you're going to get pissed off at the media for asking the questions that they should be asking, and then it's just it's just out, out of hand. It's one thing to keep Trey Lance, to have both guys on the team, but to have the 21-year-old rookie be the backup. I mean, he's not going to make waves on the team. He's just trying to fit in. He's the youngest player in the league. I mean, that sort of feels natural. But the next year to flip it and have the 22-year-old be the starter and the 30-year-old who's had success on this team all of a sudden be the backup when he's healthy, I just don't think that's – I don't think they can pull off that. I think the other one was – doable this is not and i think what the niners would do is just say he's still coming back he's not ready to play he's still throwing he's and sort of keep him inactive for a team that might want to trade for him and then if trey lance's arm ever got fatigued they could be like oh jimmy's good jimmy's ready to play i just don't think he'll be around the team very much unless something happens to trey or you know that's the way i look at it they're gonna send him on holiday give him an excuse just like they did that's what's ended up happening that's the only way i think I, I mean, he hasn't talked to any of it's like a snap there. That's just he hasn't even talked to Brian Greasy yet this year. That's so I, I don't I can't see him actually being on the team unless Trey gets hurt and Jimmy doesn't get traded. That's right, so enough, Jimmy, for today. No, it's not just kidding. They're holding him. I'm just kidding. We're starting on Jimmy. So uh, the report this weekend from what Colin Cowherd was that he could really see. <clears throat> He could really see – he think it makes sense for both sides, Jimmy G to the Seahawks. And then it was Jeremy Fowler who said the Seahawks have at least discussed internally the idea of bringing him on the team, which is close to tampering, close to tampering, but didn't say they were considering trading for him. What do you think of this potential trade, given the fact that the Seahawks have not enough cap space? Yeah, that, that trade is not happening. <laughs> that trade is not going to happen. Put that put that uh, into the sink drawer and just you know flush it down the drain, whatever you want to call it. I just – of course they've thought about bringing him on. It's because they think the Niners are going to cut him. And right. they, they, they know they know their division rival better than most, or they should. Preach. At least they're not doing the right job. Exactly. Like, that's, that's an issue there. But I think they're keeping a close eye on it. It's because I really am adamant that I think when as soon as Garoppolo passes a physical, which what training camp's in two weeks. So in two weeks, two, three weeks, I bet you we're going to hear that he's going to pass his physical. You know, he's reportedly already started throwing within the last few weeks. You're going to hear him pass the physical, and then I think he's going to try to demand or request a release because it doesn't behoove him to burn that month, month and a half time of training camp when he can go get ahead of the game and finally, you know, become more of an attracted commodity to people to want to sign, to get embedded into the playbook and start building rapport because that's really the time where you built all that synchronization because once that's all out the door, it's just a straight game planning from there for the rest of the season. So Seahawks, that's the only way I see it publicly or privately. For the what? Do you think he'll request the trade publicly or privately? A trade pri- privately, and I think a release he'll probably yeah, yeah. oh. trade privately. Yeah, because they already kind of know. Like, all right, it's the trade is we. we know I meant to say, really know. Sorry so about I that. think if he does yeah. a release, I think I think it's going to be made both private at first, public. but then it's going to get released out there. And I think the Niners yeah. would be okay letting it known out there because it's like, hey, look, he wants to he wants to get released. We're player first. We'll cut him. You know, we just didn't work. We wanted to do right by Jimmy because we like the guy. And that's the one thing they keep saying. We like the guy. That's it. I, 
I just can't see the Niners giving up on this trade. They've come this far trying to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. That's another thing. And if That's he wants to enough. get released, I, I can see him like being like, no, buddy, you, you just started throwing. We're going to give this a chance. And there's another thing. Let's say they release him and he signs with the Seahawks. Because, I mean, honestly, if he's a free agent, they probably should sign him. He'd be cheap. He'd be better than what they have. Dude, the Niners' home opener this year, home opener week two, Seattle. It just seems to me that if you're going to just give up, maybe do it after week two. Now, I know his his salary gets guaranteed and stuff, but, like, wouldn't you want to hold on to him for a couple of weeks and let that game go by and try to trade him a few more times and then possibly give up or just keep him as a backup? Rather than invite him in to Trey Lance's for, like home opener and put that kind of pressure on the team, and I mean that as a as a as a journalist, I hope they I hope that happens. I want to cover Lance versus Garoppolo week two at Levi Stadium, but I don't know if the Niners really want that smoke. That's a lot of smoke. It's a lot of anxiety, man. That's more that's more just noise and actual real substance because who the hell cares if Jimmy Garoppolo is on the Seahawks and he comes down. You should be asking. You should be praying for that. Fingers crossed. Release yeah. him. And if you're the Niners, how long do these guys preach about? Oh, it takes a while for these guys to learn, to practice, develop. You think Jimmy's just going to hit the ground running? You think he's even going to win automatically the starting position? Probably not. You know, that might take a that being while. being said, though, it's like the Niners, for whatever you want to say about how they feel about Jimmy, they have even less confidence in Trey. I mean, they have no confidence in their quarterbacks for whatever reason. So I just can see the Niners being like, you know, I don't really want him to go to – I think I want him to go to Seattle. I think that would be hilarious and great. But I, th- I, I could just feel like John Lynch saying, oh, I don't know. He's going to win over there. I feel like they just love Jimmy. It's like every time they talk so much praise about him, they never really cite anything that's great about him on the field-wise. You know, they just said stupid things like, oh, he's a leader, he's a winner, you know, he executes, whatever. But they never can cite Game. something. With Trey Lance, Game. that's the one thing – Yes, that's the one thing you can notice. They do give him that. It's just they just love the guy, dude. They love the guy. I mean, you look, you, you you compare him to Baker Mayfield. I mean, they couldn't wait to get rid of him. So you know, you look at the opposite situation where you have a quarterback who also is supposed to be out of the move, but they like him and they're a little more hesitant to let him go for at least like peanuts. So I mean, that's why I think is the difference is you know you got a quarterback you like, or even just a player you like, but you really want the quarterback to be like a stand-up guy, not someone who's like a toxic, who's someone like, you know, showcase of like an a-hole like that, you know, <laughs> you want you want to be able to like him. So I think these guys are so embedded with him. And then you mentioned John Lynch. He might also have like a fi- his, his fingerprints on that. Maybe somehow holding on to them there where, you know, we just can't let him go. You know, we know what he's worth. And that's where they're really overvaluing what he's worth because if he was worth anywhere near what the Niners have been holding him near and dear to, he'd been gone already then. But the league's telling you what they think of him. Yeah, and I, I don't see any team trading for Jim. Unless it's Cleveland and they make a really, really desperate bad move. I don't see, and I've felt this way all offseason, the idea of giving the Niners something so you can take back Jimmy and his $24 million this year doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. Now, if Jimmy Garoppolo were a free agent and you could sign him for $5 million, sure, who cares? Why not? Give it a shot. But trading for this contract, that doesn't make any freaking sense. So, I, I mean, I don't think Seattle, Seattle's definitely not that stupid. They don't even have the cap space to do it. But I'm sure there are like four or five teams, kind of like buzzards, kind of circling, waiting for the Niners to cut bait. And they might be interested if it was on the sale rack, yeah. it being Jimmy Garoppolo. And Pete Carroll wants to win. I mean, that guy is like in the 70s, whatever hell old he is. He's not going to, they're not going to try to fold the season. At least he knows, like, hey, Jimmy's starting caliber player. He's, played on a proven winner team the same way all these head coaches think 
So, you know, like you said, give him like a five-year deal. I mean, excuse me, five-year deal, $5 million deal on, on for this year. And then maybe kick it up to like eight or nine if he wins the job or does incentives or something. What about when Baker Mayfield wins the job in Carolina? Sam Darnold to Seattle. Not that he's good, but there's the USC connection. Yeah, and they can't cut him either because he's guaranteed. Or I guess they could. Well, I don't know. They're, well, come on. The Panthers, number one, that's already a weird job in the begin with. That's a whole – that's a circus going over there. Matt Rule, all those guys, what they've done over there, they've really messed up. Yeah. But I think that's one – yeah, that, I mean, I mean, it's kind of clear Baker's going to win the job. I mean, he's saying. And Don, it seems like Carroll likes to give USC guys a second chance. Is there a little connection? He just signed a Chenna Nuosu this offseason, went to USC. I don't know. Something to think about. I mean, he knows Jimmy, man. Although, I, who would you rather have, Jimmy or Darnold? Jimmy. I'm not taking Darnold after last year, dude. I'm not taking Darnold after last year. Darnold was stinky. That guy was blue cheese to me. You think Jimmy would have been better on Carolina? Yes. Yes, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. I might take Darnold. Because, I mean, Darnold might be the only quarterback with a lower football IQ than Jimmy. But at least Darnold can move and is young. I don't know. I'd like to see Darnold on a team like Seattle that can actually run the ball. Yeah, see, that was me last year. And then once he still – once he after those first four games, they got in the hot start, he just was bad. He might have been the worst no, quarterback. Oh, he's bad. He, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah. do that. I'll take Jimmy. At least I like – at least cliche, Kyle Shanahan. At least I know what I get with Jimmy. I get a winner, a leader, a guy I like. That's my problem with Jimmy, though. That's my problem. I know exactly what I get. Okay. That's enough of Jimmy for me. Works for Subway. <laughs> let's talk let's preview this team let's break it down this team was 10 and 7 last year a wild card team not particularly dominant but what you when you look at their ranks i mean their defense ranked third they gave up the third fewest yards of any defense in the league last year and their offense ranked seventh had gained the seventh most yards in the league averaged 6.1 yards per play on offense gave up 5.1 yards per play on defense i mean that's dominant it's supposed to be, I mean, with numbers like that, you should be in the Super Bowl or winning it. They didn't. They came close. Now, I want to talk about what you expect for this year. Let's talk about offense. What aspect of the 49ers offense do you expect to improve the most from last year? I, there's kind of plenty of ways you can really go with it, but I think I'm going to hedge most of my bets on, you know, just the, the deep threat. Actually using, utilizing more than five yards in front of you from the line of scrimmage. It's funny how many times you see Jimmy Garoppolo's yardage. Um, I think there's even a stat out there where Jimmy had, in terms of passing yards, there's a stat out there where he, I think it's passing yards per throw where it's like the most, but when you actually look at it with it for air yards, he doesn't have the most. I think that's where we're going to make the huge jump with Lance, whether it's a straight drop back, whether it's the play action boot, which I think they're going to utilize a lot more because where the hell was that last year? I felt like they didn't use it a lot. And that's how you know Jimmy couldn't move at all. Yeah. So I think that's that's a huge different facet you're now going to see from his bigger chunk plays from the from the from the from the ground aerial game and maybe even just overall as well because if there's a boot play and, and they have you have Lance going around the loop running it, he could just take off and just get a chunk play of 15 yards. I mean, you would hope more, but I don't think he's the fastest person to rip off a big game like that. But I think that's where you can see it. I like that a lot. I'm going to go with um, something different, though. I'm going to go with the run game. Because we always think of the Niners as having this dominant run game because they commit to it. And they can have these games where they run the ball 40, 45 times and just destroy you. But their efficiency was down last year. I mean, they they averaged 4.3 yards per carry. That was 16th in the league. That's 
you know, as average as it gets. Now, I, I don't know. I know some people look at like DVOA and other things, and I don't really look at stats that I can't calculate myself because I'm an English major and that's just how I roll. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so, maybe part of the reason they had a lower yards per carry is because they're running the ball a lot with leads late in the game. There's, there's factors, but still, I think their yards per carry is going to be way up this year, way up, because they're going from playing 10 on 11 football to 11 on 11 football. Debo Samuel is way too talented. Elijah Mitchell is way too talented. For this team to be right in the middle of the pack of yards per carry, I think they're going to be above five yards a carry. I think that's what the Trey Lance effect is going to have on this team. Uh, I think they're going to be like five, 5.1 yards per carry. And if you want to look at like some pass press into that, go back and look at the Niners uh, efficiency stats from 2011 to 2012 when they had Alex Smith doing 10 on 11 football and then Colin Kaepernick coming in playing 11 on 11. I mean, it gives you at least an extra half a yard per carry usually. So I think that's going to be big. Their running game. Believe they it or can not, run for 3,000 yards this year. Yeah, I think um, that should save it for the next point because I kind of I got I got to push back for well than what you're saying. Okay, we'll go to the next point right now, real quick. Ben Myerson says I thought his regime this regime had no leaks. Yeah, until this year, right? I don't know what's going on with that. Very strange. Look, I believe then, they have some leaks. It's just like it's just not often or sometimes a heavyweight, but they leak. They leak. Yeah, and one more thing. Official BNA Music 88. Uh, I missed one of his comments last time i did a show he said and i quote breaking news trey takes naps the body fatigue might be a real concern that's hilarious and that's pretty much what's happening with trey lance right now anytime he does anything it's not good enough and to me that is a function of jimmy still being on the roster as long as jimmy's here even from his own even from you know trey's own front office nothing he does is going to be good enough until he wins the super bowl until they really go all in because as long as jimmy's here there it's hedge city Head central. Anyway, thanks for the comment, BNA Music 88. Let's That's a great on. one. Biggest offensive regression for the 49ers since last season. What do you expect? I think it's the one you thought that was going to be good. The run game, I think that's going to regress because – Without Debo? Yes, without Debo. And I think in terms of – I'm not going to get more yards per carry. Maybe that will get better. Maybe you're right on that point. I think they're going to lose explosive play yards. They're yeah. going to use explosive plays. So whatever, how many much they're 15 plus 20 plus yards uh, runs they made off. I think you're going to see less of that because I have, I, I'm going to sell Lance is capable of doing more than just a handful of those this year, because I, I saw how he ran this last year. He's not like what people compare him to like the Cam Newton or even Colin Kaepernick. He's not as fast as those guys. He's not shifty. He looked really like an off balance runner. Like he's lacks the feel of what to do with the ball in his hands. Um, so I'm not saying he won't be efficient. I'm sure he'll be enough to get that clutch, like first down. That's like seven to 10 yards, but I have, I'm going to sell on that. Like he's going to be ripping off 15 plus gainers. Like he's Lamar freaking Jackson. I mean, no, those guys were great because they're extremely, extremely raw with the football in their hands. Now, another, another standpoint running backs, like you said, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, like I expect Debo Samuel to see a significantly reduced role, if not completely erased, so in Mitchell, I'm not sure how much better he's going to get in terms of explosiveness. You know, Jeff Wilson Jr., he's, we've seen he's done a bit before, but how many carries the game he's going to get? You know, Ty David Price, they brought him in to be the bruiser, the bulky back. I, I'm going to sell on them being like that's going to be the explosive, like, you know, like we said weeks ago, that the home run capability. I think that's going to really be diminished. Uh, I feel that. Um, one thing I'm going to say is that last year, Debo Samuel averaged 7.4 yards per carry. Uh, from shotgun formations and now with Trey Lance doing this 11 on 11 football from the gun I mean even if he's not the runner that Lamar Jackson is 
you still have to account for him because if you don't, yeah. he'll have, you know, you still have to account for him. So it's going to create more space in the gun. I mean, theoretically, Debo could average eight yards of carry. I know, I, and I don't know how much he's going to run, but if that's a weapon and Debo refuses to do that, I, I couldn't imagine. But like, man, you want to score a touchdown? He scored six touchdowns from the gun last year. Like, that's your money maker. And you only got to do it like twice a game. But the, uh, to your point, if you want explosive plays, Put Debo and Trey in the zone read together and see what happens because it could. Yeah, be if you told me Debo is just gonna have his even just his role reduced in half, I'm gonna hell yeah, the running game is gonna be improved. That's gonna be sweet. So to yeah. to play around with, and you even have Yushik you can mess around with if you just want to go like backside or something. Yeah. All right. Let me do mine. So that's a good one. That's interesting. The run game. Okay. Let's talk third down offense. So last year the Niners were 14th in third down offense. Pretty mediocre considering they had Debo. Kittle and Ayuk, but a lot of that had to do with the quarterback and a lot of back, a lot of that had to do with the offensive line. Now they have a quarterback who can protect himself and uh, scramble and he's going to scramble for a bunch of first downs, but I think it's possible that third down offense is going to get worse this year. It's going to go mm -hmm. down. And I don't think it has that much to do with Lance. I think it has more to do with the pass protection. This team is built to run the ball, but in terms of pass protection, they have one good pass protector, their left tackle. And especially at center, on third down, if you don't have a good center, that's when you get all those exotic fronts. You know what I mean? You get all the overload blitzes and you get defenses trying to confuse essentially the center because on the Niners, the center's the one telling everyone who to block, picking out blocking assignments. Yep. And Alex Mack is good at that. If you have someone who can at least get that right, you give your offensive line a chance. Hronis Grasu two years ago was getting destroyed on A-gap blitzes and this kind of stuff on third down, and it really hurt the whole offense. I think third down pass protection, pass protection in general is going to be worse. And I think that's going to affect them on third down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you even saw it. You even saw it last year. The pass protection wasn't so great. I mean, it came through in like yeah. a lot of situations, but it wasn't like great. Like something you can go out and feel comfortable about. I mean, it Tom wasn't so was freaking awful in pass protection. Yeah. He was terrible. And especially when it's like, it got to like third and seven plus, like if they weren't under third and seven, you had zero feel that they were going to, they, they chose to run it a lot of times in those situations. So, I mean, number one, that quarterback, you know, cause you didn't get the ball out or figure out where he was going with it or throw deliver it accurately. But that's also an indictment on the pass protection. Because right. even if you have a flimsy quarterback, if you like, Hey, at least we're going to give them time to like, hopefully get someone to develop hopefully our receivers win and then he just delivers somewhere in the range but yeah i think to me that was always more of a diamond on pass pro than not because how how long are you holding up but then again when you're a defense it's kind of easy to tell what the offense is going to do if they're going to run it you're thinking oh hell yeah great run it please do us a favor and then at that point you're just going to sell out for the pass that's where you get those like you said overload blitzes where the center is going to be like where the hell where, where's this guy going where's the mic where the hell is 56 going so I think that's where, yeah, that, that I can see that definitely, especially if they are in those third and seven plus situations again, right. um, where Lance just says hike, he's barely on a second or third step in the drop back and already someone's getting blown by. That's why right it's like face. the Altair yeah. offensive line is just a huge question mark. And that's right. the real, that's always still been my concern for the last like four months about this offense. It's like, if none of these guys are look good, like who knows, Brett, we, we know what Brett's goal is, but is he still going to be able to, you know, repeat what he's done? McGlinchey coming back, you know, who the hell is the center and the left guard? I mean, great. The left guard is supposed to be good because he's playing next to Trent Williams. Trent Williams was going to block Aaron Banks' guy. Like, come on. We just – we got – at some points, these guys are going to do stuff of their own. Yeah. I mean, like last year, Tom Compton was a, a liability in pass protection. But at right tackle, if that's your one liability in pass protection, he got – he would get run over. But the quarterback still has an opportunity to get the ball out. There are things you can do. You can get the ball to your hands quick. If you have instant pressure in your face right at the A-gap, you're screwed. There's nothing you can do. 
unless you just unless you're Kyler Murray and you can run away. And maybe maybe Trey Lance can do that sometimes, but he's not a four three runner. I, I really, if you get that a gap pressure instantly, you're screwed. It screws the whole offense. And I'm not saying Jake Brendel's going to be that guy that Hronis Grasso was because from everything they say, he's very smart and he should be able to do that stuff. But I don't know. Can he block? We'll see. He actually hasn't played much. I have no idea what to expect. That's why situations like that, you always saw Kittle always like helping him pass pro too. Yeah. Just that's why that's where you really saw his targets diminish. And yeah, they, they got to stop that. I mean, you need Kittle in the pattern on all third downs, not just some of them. So yeah. Okay. Third down offense. Let's go to defense. What do you think the biggest defensive improvement will be since last season? Uh, on a squad that finished third in, in uh, total yards allowed, third fewest. Yeah, they were. But yeah. um, I think uh, I think you're going to see them more of a better man coverage team like you saw in 2020. I think they got the secondary to do it. Um, I really – I know this nickel slot corner is still a huge question mark. Who the hell is even going to be starting there? You know, anyone's guess is better than mine probably. But – I'm just focused on the two outside corners and even who they have behind them. You know, Traverius Ward is very capable man cor- coverage corner. Manny Mosley really came on in 2020, and I think he is still capable of it. Probably better zone, but still, he, I saw. I think he's capable of it. Just and given the skill sets, at least I think he can do it. He can keep his feet. You know, he has good hips, be able to turn, keep his guy in front of him for the most part, or knows how to play trail. Um, and then after that behind him, God forbid you get Jason Brett out there, then whew, okay, great. Now you have arguably probably the best man coverage corner out there. If he can still pick up the pieces where he left off in 2020, now you have all of a sudden you have yourself a phenomenal, you know, man coverage defense. Cause we already know Jimmy Ward can come in the nickel and slot. And maybe that's who you do use as your nickel, nickel corner guy. You use him in uh passing obvious situations on third down. So lock up whoever is inside. And then you just throw Hufunga up top, maybe kicking even more to various more to play like a blanket zone with those two you know there's a lot of different ways you can really go with it i think for D'Amico ryan's but ultimately i think now you have that flexibility to be more confident that you can call more man coverage plays yeah um i'm with you on this and i think this is gonna manifest itself in their third down defense because last year they were i mean for for a, a top three defense you with that pass rush you'd expect they'd be a top 10 unit on third down but they were yeah. 21st way worse than they should have been and if you remember it's because they played soft on third down they were more concerned about giving up the big play even on third and 10 than giving up the first down so when they got beat a lot of times it was outside it Mm -hmm. was Ambry thomas and emmanuel mosley just playing two yeah josh norman playing too soft at the sticks on third and 12 getting beat by aj brown or odell beckham jr that happened a lot i don't i think the whole point is of bringing in chavarius ward is the niners understood that they were playing super soft on third down and want to improve. So I think they're going to let him play bump and run coverage. They might let Mosley do it too. It may work out. Um, I'm still curious to see what happens at slot because a lot of times the team's best chain mover is the the slot receiver. So if the Niners have a liability at nickel, they're going to really stink on third down still. So I'm not saying they do have a liability, but I, I don't know who they have there. We'll see. That's gonna be tough. That's why I think like we'll see Jimmy Ward kicked down there more. I'm not, I feel like he didn't get kicked down there a lot. Last year, as we that could happen. Past that could happen. You could um, put him down there and go with Hafunga and more at safety on third down. You could do something. Yeah, like yeah. That. At least like at least at probably a better option than putting Denard. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. At, at least like I said, the third they were not going to keep him there obviously the whole time. But yeah, for like it's like third and eight or third and ten, even third down, whatever. If you, they, they feel they confident, like to put him on the tight end in those situations because as good as he might do against the slot receiver, he's going to do much better against the tight end. But I guess. It's what the team needs. And if you're facing a team with they a better slot receiver than tight end, yes. Yeah. yeah. Depends, right? Like if you're facing, if you're facing the freaking Rams, 
Like, are you more worried about Cup or Higby? Who do you need Ward on? Put him on yeah, Cup. Exactly, that I mean, matters. He's not like, going to shut who, down Cup, but he'll do better than anyone else. Like they're playing the, the AFC West this year. They're going to have a like a, a bunch of like hard matchups against tight ends. Allen. I mean, oh well, yeah, pretty Jared much just Waller. Darren Waller. Or do the Chargers have one good one? I don't know. I just know you know you got Kelsey and Darren Waller. So I mean, that's something that you're definitely going to say. You know what? Let's 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 try to put Jimmy. I mean, that's the thing you're going to be scared about Jimmy Ward. He'd probably be able to like man up on them and stay with them, but he might get outbodied, boxed out. So I wonder what's going to happen there. That's going to be the huge curious one. But if the Niners give him that number one matchup every week, the slot guy or the tight end guy, yeah, and he does well, he could finally make that Pro Bowl because he maybe if he you know shut down some wide receivers, he'd get a little bit more high pro. Because his whole thing is, look, I'm not getting interceptions, but that's because I'm playing man coverage and not getting target. I'm shutting people down. He needs to get more recognition for that. So maybe if he got some more matchups against high-profile wide receivers, he'd get the recognition. I didn't argue he did, them, did it consistently. Like, the yeah. majority of them he won and did well. I didn't even say right. he earned all pro garners because, like, you got a guy who can play up top well, support the box, and come in, lock up your guy. What the hell? We're talking about a guy who's, like, Neapolitan. He hits all three flavors perfectly. It's just so hard to cover in the middle of the field. I mean, it's hard to cover anyway. But outside, you have the uh, – you, you were a corner. You have the sideline to help you. It's like a 12th defender. In the middle of the field, it's Screw tough. Nickel, dude. Nickel's so hard. because it's, yeah. it's just, Yeah, you have the sidelines. That's why it was so easy. It's like, I'm going to guard this wall here. Yeah. I know that. I know. And you have a much better sense of how much space is back there, especially if you're, like, doing a bailout, which is why I love cover three a lot of times. But say, uh, Nickel, that, that's why I loved K1 Williams. 2019, he was my favorite defensive player because not only was he, you know, a – holding on to any type of run you pretty much are wide open in terms of what you can get attacked on or the route but you got to play <laughs> run defense and he was a blitzer my god yeah. he was doing it yeah. all yeah matthew roberts says thank you for your unbiased constant info thank you very much matthew for your yeah, just don't ask me about sjsu content i will be biased about that david fails i still think he's gonna work out one day he's gonna be a <laughs> NFL pro bowler okay all right we got tyler irvin in there it's all good yeah he's fast all right yeah he's fast where do you think the biggest regression will be on the 49ers defense since last season? Um, shoot. I said I was going to say – I was going to say big plays, but, you know, they kind of did already allow a bunch of big plays last year. And I was going to say that because the Talanoa Fung is going to be a liability, but I don't wonder if it's like – you know, I'm just going to stick with that. I think it's even going to be a little worse because if they were already kind of skeptical uh, pretty yeah. much on the fence and, you know, leaning more towards on the backside of being burners right. with even Tart there for the most part. I mean, Hufunga, I think, especially early on, you know, because he's really going to take – I think he's going to take a lot of lumps in the chin. He's going to be – it's going to be a lot of hiccups for him. I think he's going to see a lot of up and down. I don't think he's going to be terrible, but, I mean, he's really going to be tested. They're going to go after him. They are going to go after him. They're going to look at last year's tape and be like – we could trick this guy and, and see how how much he's how much he's improved on how D'Amico Ryan somehow protect. I'm wondering how D'Amico Ryan is going to somehow protect him because you can't really protect someone too much on defense. Um, and I think that's where the passers were going to have to come in. You got to get there, get to the quarterback, disrupt the play as much as you can, and hope your corners hold on so he's not in a position where they can pick on him or drag him out of his disciplined coverage. Yeah, I mean the safety is supposed to be the guy helping other helping the DBs. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, what's interesting is the Niners at their best on defense has always been a defense that. Um, generates a pass rush and doesn't give up big plays. And that's been there. I mean, they're not a super aggressive defense. They don't blitz a lot. They don't play a lot of man-to-man, -man, like press, but that's their just don't give up the big play and, and sack the quarterback, hit him enough, and you'll win. Um, Tart helped in that. Tart was not a great safety. He was extremely limited. 
Uh, but that was one of the things he brought to the table. I don't know what Hafunga brings to the table. He's a fifth round pick who's not particularly doesn't have high end athleticism. He's supposed to be instinctual. I hope his instincts don't get him into trouble because that's kind of what happens to certain instinctual players, right? They like run themselves out of the play. They had a feeling they were wrong. Yeah, they can't recover. So I don't know if that's going to be him. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying the Niners should have brought back Tart. I'm not saying I just don't know that either one is necessarily a solution for them. It's a good call. But I got something else. Run defense. Like some happened that. last year. Remember, the Niners were really bad. The, not really bad, but they were three and five. And it wasn't just their offense. It was their defense. They couldn't stop the run. And I'm looking real quick. Let me give you the, the numbers. So from week one on, this was their what they gave up on the ground. 116, 151, 100, 105, 94, 148, 176, 162. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a rough way to start the year in that wide nine defense. They couldn't stop anything. And what did they change after that? All of a sudden, that Rams game, man. The Rams game, they give up 52 rushing yards. And next week, 54. Next week, 67. Then they give up 146 to Seattle, but like 80 of that was a fake punt. Then after that, 86, 62, 90, 86, 64, 77, 67, 70. I mean, they really shut down the run. I, I'm i not saying it was one player. There was a there were a few changes that DJ Jones uh, stepped up. Eric Armstead finally got kicked in, which please keep him there. Jesus, yeah. please keep him there. Yes, there let let your players do good. <laughs> Come DJ on. DJ Jones, Eric Armstead, Samson Ebucom. So those time. two to me. Yeah. Um, DJ Jones is gone. Tart, who is a solidifying factor in this defense, not a playmaker, is gone. He's good to come uh, up. I think this run defense could struggle, not necessarily like on the edges, but right up the gut. Unless Javon Kinlaw finally is the player they wanted him to be. And he plays 17 games and he's just a rock like DJ Jones. And if that doesn't happen, I think they got a problem with their interior run defense. And I think they're going to go from a team that gave up 4.3 yards per carry last year, which was excellent. I mean, that ranked, hold on. That ranked seventh. No, 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 excuse me. They give up four yards of carry, just four, 4.0, seventh best in the league. I don't know if they can do that again. They might be closer to the league average, which is fine. I don't know how important run defense really is anymore. It's a pass first league, but part of the the reason they turned their entire season around was all of a sudden they went from having no run defense to a great run defense overnight. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you actually are able to flip your players around, know where to put them in their best in their best skill set. I mean, but yeah, it's more than just Armstead. It's even more than DJ. I mean, is it more than DJ Jones? Because D'Amico Ryan's was really raving this guy like damn near every week. So I mean, yeah, you got Killo's got to step up, keep Armstead there, and then hopefully you got other players in your depth like Maurice Hurst because Maurice Hurst Jr. will actually play decent there. He used to be a decent run defender with the Raiders. You hope he can do that stuff, and whoever else in that back end you can help keep and plug into that middle. Russ Button says Richard Sherman was slow but played the game from the neck up. That's true. He compensated for his speed with Savvy. Can a funga do that? That is so true. And the thing is, Sherman was a fifth round pick. And I just got another guy popped in my head. Sherman didn't play Hafunga's position, but there is a carry over there. Merton Hanks did. You remember Merton Hanks. Merton Hanks was the free safety in the in the 90s for the Niners. And he would have like five picks a year. He was great. He was the funky chicken dude. He was great. Fifth round pick. And they drafted him to play corner, but he was too slow. I, he was like, again, I think he was a 4-6 guy like Hafunga, and he did have the instincts, and he was a great safety. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, f- fifth-round DBs lacking athleticism have done it before. There is precedent. It's, I mean, I think those guys are the exception, but it doesn't Hafunga can't do it. And, I, look, if he had done it a couple of times in games, made a play on a ball, I'd say, okay, he's shown it. He's shown it a couple of times in practice, but I haven't seen it in a game yet. I haven't. Yeah, this is what – Grant, I feel like I say this all the time. We talk about Hufunga being a liability. I, I, I think the only way he's gonna be able to overcome it 
is he's got to play smarter. He's got to have good instincts. He's got to really boom on nail on the head. He's got to play neck up. And the only way he can really compensate for his slow, for his slow speed, agility, all that stuff, he's going to have to really have that great eye presence, you know, great instincts, you know, play recognition, be there. Don't, don't, don't buy it on the fakes. You really got to make up with it. Cause if you're able to play fast in your head, then your body will be there to, to be able to match it. You won't be able to get like, you know, blown up like that in live and coverage. Yeah, because like he's <clears> gonna <throat> have opportunities. I mean, again, you don't have to have four three speed to play single high safety. Um, on third down, you're gonna oh, have Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward's gonna be covering someone man to man, either a tight end or a slot receiver. And if Hafunga's in the game playing safety, he's probably gonna be playing single high a lot. Can he make plays? Can he, you know, defend both hashes? Can he get break up some pass? Can he intercept some passes? If so. He's an upgrade over Jaquaski Tart because Jaquaski Tart made yep. one play from single high. I can ever remember my entire life. It was week one, 2017, great interception against Cam Newton. Never made a play ever again in his life, at least on a ball that I can remember. So that would be great. That would be great. Merton Hanks is official BNA Music 88's cousin. That's tight because he's one of my favorite Niners of all time. The dude was dope. Sick. Super great. Okay, last topic of the day. Who is the most underrated player on this team? I like to give out this award before training camp every year. In the past, it's gone to Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, He's usually in the running. Who would you give the most underrated player award to on this team? Uh, well, I feel like I kind of did that last week with Emmanuel Mosley, so I'm going to go yeah. a different direction and go Aziz Al-Shahir. I like that. <clears throat> Aziz Al-Shahir, I mean, I know I think maybe some Niner fans now like kind of like sing his praises pretty tough, but – I feel like it's not loud enough, but especially it's not nowhere near even blinked or a thought for a second in a twinkle of anyone's eye anywhere outside of the, the Bay Area. He's He really was arguably better than Fred Warner last year. It's pretty crazy to see. I mean, I say this every time I got to talk about him. That Seattle game pretty much is the one that really bought me into, like, this guy's a real deal. He stepped in without Warner. He looked better than Warner in that game. My God, it was all over the freaking place. Pass deflection, forced fumble, I think. Um, runs, Agree. everything. He did yeah. freaking everything, and it's nuts yeah. to see. That's the someone that – that's the linebackers that all these teams want so that way they don't have to run extra safeties because that way you have someone who can play one coverage, yeah. come up and run support, and if you need him to dial up a blitz, then you got him right there. So, to me, it's easily Aziz Alshahir. I think he's going to step in. I think people are going to forget about him until he starts making plays early on in the season. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see him bl- make a play in the Bears game because Justin Fields is going to be prone to like at least like 10 mistakes because he has no help. So I think he's really going to stand out in that game early on, and I think that's where he's going to finally start seeing some traction gain to his name. Yeah, I agree. He's a he was a big he, he was a big story last year, and I thought <sighs> that he was their best run defending linebacker. As good as Fred Warner is. Yeah, he was. A lot of Fred Warner's um, value is coverage. Like Aziz hits harder, is in the backfield more often. He's And Warner's good against the run, but Aziz is better. Mm-hmm. And I think what's also interesting is I think he's playing out of position. I think he's a Mike. I think he could be one of the best Mike linebackers in the league. And he's not playing there because Warner plays there. But as you as you saw, when Warner missed a game, Aziz had his best game of the year. I think All people saw course. that. I don't think the Niners are going to re-sign him because I don't think they can afford – I think he's going to get a lot of money. And I don't think they can afford to be, I don't think you should be spending big money on two linebackers. So he's going to go somewhere and be someone's pro bowl, Mike linebacker, probably. I think I would think. So that's a good one. I got someone else. And I like that you went run defense on this one. Cause I'm going run defense. So I'm sticking defense. Samson Ebicom. Hmm. So to me, I was looking at like what happened with this run defense last year, where it could go from putrid the first half of the season to great. And there were a few changes. 
A big one was moving Armstead from defensive end to defensive tackle. Def I did, never liked the Armstead at defensive end thing. It was like the old, remember Red Bryant on the Seahawks? He's 360 pounds. He played DN. He was setting the edge. It was like, yeah, it's great. Okay. But what if the quarterback runs? What about containing the quarterback in the pocket? Because quarterbacks run a lot now, and Armstead could never do that. And it wasn't his fault because he was playing out of position. They put him at D tackle. He's better at everything. But you can only do that if you actually have a defensive end who can do all the things, you know, who can contain the quarterback uh, right. and stop the run. And that's what Ebukam does really, really well. He's a decent pass rusher, but, I mean, you can't run at his side. You can't bootleg to him. You can't zone read to him. You can't scramble to him. I mean, honestly, all that stuff, he'd be better off going at Bosa, who's very good against the run, too. So I think Ebukam is extremely underrated and underappreciated. And they played him on those early downs too, though, like to really put him like as an orange cone to the side. They used him as like a designated pass rusher early in the season. Like that's the wrong way to use him. That's the opposite. And now they get it. He's your first down guy. And then you bring in someone like Kamoko Ture or Drake Jackson to spell him on third and long, of course. But I mean, that first down pass rush uh, run defense is very important because if you can stop the run on first and second down, it's third and eight instead of third and two. So I do think Ebicon is very important. And a lot of people this year were looking at the Niners cap space saying, well, they can just cut Samson Ebicon. Well, hold on. Because if you cut him, then you got to put Armstead back at defensive end. And I really believe he's a liability at defensive end. Not his fault. He's not his position. He's an excellent defensive tackle and a not good defensive end. And I don't, I think the Niners are just stuck in the past trying to play 300 pound players at DN. Like, no, no quarterbacks are too uh, dynamic. You got to have, dynamic players in the edges and they have it now in Samson Evancom. I mean, there was a reason the Rams were so good against Kyler Murray and freaking Russell Wilson all those years and the Niners weren't. This guy helps. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yep. And plus, those are the two teams. It's funny you mentioned like the Rams Cardinals. They are more prone to throw on early downs because, you know, they don't have that philosophy like, oh, we got to run the ball. I mean, maybe McVay does a little bit, but I mean, that's only because it's Cal Shanahan tree. Ultimately, they want to they throw and throw often. So, all right, cool. Evancom's capable of rushing early. Let's, let's go run with them. Yeah. And if you want more pass rush, you can always bring in someone else. But I, run defense is important because if you're just giving up five yards of carry, you're going to get run on. Period. Even if the team is good at passing. Like it's free. It's like taking candy from a baby at that point. So you got to put up some <clears> resistance. <throat> and again, what I like about Ebicom is he's like, to me, the modern edge setter. He's not 275 pounds. He's 255. He's freaking jacked. He can set the edge. But, he, I mean, if you try to bootleg to him, he's in your quarterback's face. He's so good at being disciplined and not falling for the fake um, that really you shouldn't bootleg to him. Well, you should, If you want to bootleg to the right, which is the quarterback's dominant throwing side, you probably need to pull uh, a blocker over there and bring some – you know, you got to – things you got to do, you might as well just roll left or just stay in the middle of the pocket. So I, I, I think there's value in that because, to me, when Armstead's out on the defensive end, I can't get over how uh, detrimental that is to the structure of the defense. And again, it's not his fault. He's playing out, out of position. It's a big, it's a big one. Ebukon to me. And it's not even it's so much that Ebukon or whoever would be playing in that role who they, they necessarily have to get to the quarterback. Cause it's, it's kind of hard to get to those speedy quarterbacks. As long as you make the run go wider. Whereas if you're going up against Armstead or someone slower, you're pretty much just turning it up where the numbers are at right there. Mm -hmm. But at least if you if you're Ebicon, you're faster. All of a sudden, you're you're you're, um, you're Murray, for example. You're running closer to the sideline. Now you got to tiptoe in instead of what looks like a ten yard gain. You made it like a three yard gain. So yeah. and that gives more time for the linebackers to get over. Um, 
I think that's what they always say is like, like set that not even just set the edge on the, on the defensive line. It's like force everything inside, force things to your teammates. Yeah. So if you're Epicon, you get beat. It's like, all right, great. In a way you're kind of forcing them to your teammates by giving time to your linebackers, your safeties, your corners to get off the receivers and come up. So as everything is always a delay play. So that's even a positive play too. Not necessarily just getting the pressure. Also, I feel as every season goes on, containing mobile quarterbacks is <laughs> more important. I mean, it, it used to be 15 years ago, there were very few mobile quarterbacks, and it was all about just sort of getting the quarterback off his spot. It's not good enough anymore. I mean, Armstead can't just bull rush in against a defense, uh, offensive tackle and get the quarterback off his spot because what's going to happen against a lot of quarterbacks is like, Carson Wentz, Josh Allen. We saw it happen a lot a couple of years ago. You're just going to scramble out to the right, and big play is going to happen. A huge freaking play is going to happen. And to me, Armstead was inviting it, or really the defensive coordinator was inviting it by playing Armstead out there. With, with Ebukam, you're dude, you should stay in the pocket. You're better off staying in the pocket because as soon as you leave his side, he's going to get you. If you're staying there, I mean, he's not a great pass rusher. He doesn't have a bunch of moves. He's strong. He has a bull rush. He has he, he strains through the through, to the whistle, but you're better off staying in the pocket, buddy. And for a guy like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, that's not good news. It's really not good news. So I like a guy. I was wondering what Chris Sarek always thinks every time they try to play like his players out of position like that, or just maybe not position, but like taking away their strength. You know, it's like if you're Chris Eric, it's just like, hey, what, what, the, why are you making, why are you playing my guy there, man? Now you're making me look dumb because, like, I think I can, you make it look like I can't coach when I can. I'm, I I'm, I'm saying I'm saying to play him over here, and you're over here making this waste. Yeah. Come on, come on. I, I got a ton of respect for Robert Sala, but one, I, I, I frequently didn't understand his vision for certain players, and he was always about having Armstead play the end. And I guess I get it. Like theoretically, a six foot seven high cut dude like that shouldn't be a good run defender inside because he's high cut and you're kind of prone to getting double teamed and someone taking out your legs, but that's more explosive players. That you actually, see he's a good run defender inside. He's better than he, you would think. And to me, there's nothing he does well on the defense. Now, if you're going up against a team with a, with a statue, at quarterback, you can play arm set at DN. He'll set the edge out there, but if the quarterback can move, Ooh, he's uh arm says not going to be a pass rusher. He's not going to contain him. It's not going to do much good. And he could do a lot bad and that's not his fault again. So, that was Salah's thing. I think he got it from Pete Carroll. Carroll liked using that big 350-pound DN on base downs, Red Bryant. That's a thing of the past. You don't do that anymore. And D'Amico doesn't do that. And 2019 was like Armstead's first real year of seeing majority of his pass rush snaps or just even a lot of snaps inside, right? I know yep. you want to give credit to number one, he was finally healthy. Number two, he's playing next to Buckner, but he was always playing next to Buckner. I mean, that year, it's like you, you finally start to get the stars to align, and you see him finally hitting a stride. And even last year, he didn't have – well, he had DJ Jones next to him. DJ Jones was pretty damn good. But still, he was able to really make a force of his own without even having a threat next to him because it's not like they were gonna people were going to double DJ Jones. So they finally got that little, that little niche with him. First thing the Niners did when they got here was move Eric Armstead to Leo and draft Solomon Thomas. They really didn't get that right. Like, what no. are you doing? <laughs> you thought Solomon Thomas was going to – and then they had to move Armstead back to D-tackle and, and try uh, Solomon Thomas as an edge rusher. Remember how bad Solomon Thomas was as an edge rusher? Wow. I mean, Solomon was, Thomas 2020 said my – literally said out loud, like, well, my literally screamed to the, at the podium, my money makers in inside. It's like, God, if that wasn't an indictment on your franchise. But we've always known these guys don't play their people uh, in position right. Like, when – Look everywhere, top to bottom. They've always done this. They don't play. Solomon Thomas's moneymaker money. was the combine. Let's be clear. He hasn't done anything in the NFL to earn him money. He, sorry, but his moneymaker in the NFL was the combine. That's true. Yeah. He is human Velcro as a pass rusher. 
But there Sorry. was a difference that I saw at least. Like, okay, he's actually a serviceable inside versus outside. It's like, what are you? Doing? I, I, was he serviceable in the Raiders last year? His numbers weren't anything special, but he actually got in the back. Yeah, he, he was. It's engaged um, for, a ch- for a change. Inside, inside, he was serviceable. Serviceable, okay. yeah, rotational, serviceable. Right. But that's pretty much his ceiling. He was fine, yeah. you know, just a little he's rotation, get in there that's for like good. 10 to 15 snap types. Is he still on the team? No, he's with the Jets now. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, exactly, right? You got to love Robert Sala's loyalty. See what he can do with it. How are you using them? I'm curious. What's the what's the vision for, for Solomon Thomas in year six? Curious. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about Solomon Thomas. Most underrated player. Anyone on offense you would give this to? Trey Lance. offense? Hmm. Jimmy. What, who'd you say? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I would it's give someone. Check, right? It's always offense. I'd give it a – not Kyle Juszczyk because, I mean, that's obvious. I, how about – how about Jeff Wilson? Just because, you know, he's oh someone you could throw in a rotation. Not like you really do like that, but you do have him for that capability for those five to eight carries a game. And if, God forbid, you have a running back or two down, you know you could step in. You could still call the same offense you always did and just keep the ball rolling like nothing. I like that. That's a good answer. Jeff Wilson. Because other than that, I don't know who else could be considered underrated. I'd say I think we. I think Ayuk's perfect where he is. Debo, obviously. Kittle. Um, yeah, man, I, I think you could almost argue sure that a lot of the players on the, on the offense are overrated because of the Kyle Shanahan effect. Everyone thinks everyone on the offense has got the potential to be special because Kyle yeah, Shanahan if anything, it's be more on the overrated side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I can see a lot of people think the Niners are an offensive driven team. It's a defensive driven team. It's because when your head coach is a certain side of the ball, people just assume that's it. But, but that's why it's always crazy. When your head coach is that side of the ball, that should be your strength. That should be. But it hasn't been ever on this team. No, ever. ever. But again, that, that's Kyle's design. Like, he wants to draft defensive linemen first round every year. He says that. He really thinks he can scheme up the offense and he, you know, just needs that talent on the D line. That's how he thinks, too. So it's not necessarily an indictment of him. It's what he, he wants. He said before in his inexperience, because when you go up against really tough defensive linemen, like the ones he is drafting, he says, like, it's really hard. It's like almost impossible to scheme around it and stuff like that. So. I heard him say something I would like that disagree, one time. But his offense is very you? much like it's a slow developing play offense. It's a lot of under center stuff, seven step drops, play action. That's long developing plays. Yeah. And they get blown up by a quick pass rush. But the rest of the league is, is moving towards no huddle, spread, shotgun, quick throwing. And he doesn't want to do that. And that's a good way to neutralize a pass rush, right? I mean, the ball's out in two seconds. The guys haven't even disengaged with the blockers yet. Anyway, that's one. But that's not how he does offense, really. Well, we're gonna we see how he Kelly sucked. <laughs> we're about to see if if he becomes an evolution, if he elevates himself by with having Trey Lance there, because there's no way in hell you're running any of those type of offenses with Jimmy Garoppolo. Hell like, no, nah. he's not smart enough, but Trey should be. I'd like to see them do some up tempo stuff. They used to do it with Nick Mullins because he was smart enough, wasn't good enough, but he was smart enough to do it. So I'd like yeah. to see them implement that because I do think. Uh, I mean, Nick Saban was talking about, I saw, I saw a little clip, basically like defensive players are all about assignment alignment technique, right? Offense comes out, you see where they're lined up. Every player is like, okay, assignment alignment technique. As long as I get those three things, I can sort of do a good job on this play. But once you take the, the huddle out and once they're forced to, you know, sprint to the line of scrimmage, that's hard. they're on their heels and they're not, they're not really thinking about alignment assignment technique. They're like, what do I do? Who's my guy? Where am I? And so, I think Kyle force what Kyle does is he forces defensive players to make mistakes through motion. Other yep. guys do it through up tempo. He can do it through both. He can do it both ways, which is cool. That's what I was about I to say. Like you said, that's 
saving perfect all the money assignment limit technique it's like that's that's the reason why he has to do all these moving parts because all of a sudden it's like wait what's Changes. my assignment on the defense exactly. what's my like technique is always going to be there great well, not always be there because if you're in a different position you get out of position and now you got to backtrack to your original technique so that's really hard so that's what he does i think that's where he really gets the most raven is because he's able to do that without such a like a rush thing like like a hurry up offense but yeah use both if you're supposed to be a versatile coach you know how to use all your pieces and open up everything you know don't limit yourself but again now now he doesn't have that excuse he doesn't have that excuse barring trey look not looking not looking great then if he looks fine he looks fine just plays well doesn't even have to be that good just plays well he's like he looks capable to throw him in and give him some chances then at that point that's going to be a shenan problem to me that's why i'll start getting that label i mean i don't know if kids out there remember peyton manning but he was this great quarterback played most of his career with the colts and what, he made most of his i mean most of his career what he would do is play would be blown dead he'd rush everyone in the line of scrimmage and it would he would just stand there 20 seconds and the defense would have to be prepared for a quick snap but he would just stand there no huddle Smart look at the defense maybe put one guy in motion figure out what they were going to do call a play he did that his whole career i mean I'm not saying everyone's good enough to do that, but I'd like to see. I, I know Jimmy's not. I, I think Trey might be able to do better than Jimmy's. So I'd like to see that because I, I, I miss the days, and this is sort of before my time. But I miss the idea of quarterbacks calling their own plays. The league is just so coach driven. Like these coaches who are freaking control freaks. Would you let your quarterback make some decisions, please? Especially if he's great. I love that. I like watching a quarterback take control. Call your plays. It's your team. You're on the field. Tell a coach to shut up. Shut up. I think, I'd love uh, to see that one. <laughs> there's only like several quarterbacks that do that now. And that's only because they trust these players after years, years. They don't give that. They don't do that for the early players for sure. Hell no. Nah. Like obviously Brady, obviously Rogers, but they probably I know didn't get that, 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 that responsibility in high school or college. Like these coaches are too controlling. You need to empower these kids at a younger age. That, that would be my one tweak for football, man. Like, I know Derek Carr does that, too. I mean, well, Trey Lance, when he was in college, he was the one that was calling his whole offense's protection. It wasn't the center that did it, so that was his credit. So, I mean, maybe, like, that. hopefully that translates to him taking on that response. Maybe not that responsibility, but just, like, showing that he can do the plays in the line of scrimmage and get his guys around. Because, like, one thing that kills me <clears> is, you know, the Kyle, the Kyle supporters and the Jimmy supporters always bash each other for losing the Super Bowl. Jimmy stunk in the fourth quarter. Well, Kyle yeah. didn't call any runs in the fourth quarter. Yeah. One thing I'd like to say is Jimmy – you're the quarterback. Kyle calls the play into you, but then you call the play to the team. You didn't like the runs? Call a pass. And I feel like in the 80s, I mean, I know that Joe Montana did stuff like that. He he told my dad, or someone told my dad, that there would be times where Bill would call a play and Joe Montana would come in with a smirk into the huddle and be like, you're not going to believe this shit. You're not going to believe this shit that he, we're not running this. Do it! I, and, and the coach has a problem? To step, step up. You're the quarterback of the team. I mean, a lot of... Steve Young wouldn't have a problem calling his own play. Joe Montana never called. I'm tired of these quarterbacks who just are on the field and they're like a human joystick. Well, whatever the coach tells me to do is what I'm going to do, man. Like, no, nah, you don't have to. You can have some agency too, but maybe that's just a different era. Maybe, maybe they don't do it anymore. I miss it. I just think that's, that's a difference because those are that's what made that's part of the reason I make those players great. And that's yeah. only so many great, let alone good quarterbacks. I mean, you're not going to yeah. expect that. Out of a Jimmy Garoppolo, you're not going to expect that of a Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins kind of does that. No, Kirk Cousins. But as a quarterback, you can't complain about the play calls if you're just going to like listen to them and repeat them. Do something. You got you got you like something better. You want to run the ball? Call the run. And if it works, mm -hmm. stare at your court, at your coach like, yeah, where the hell was that? Yeah, I called something else. I mean, yep. these are competitors, right? I don't understand that. What happened to quarterbacks? They became so submissive. I don't get that.
I mean, you're the highest paid. You make five times what your coach makes. Like, stand up to him, please. <laughs> anyway, that's our show. Thanks for watching. Jose, appreciate it. Thank you. I'm back tonight. <laughs> uh, Niners After Dark with Jesse Naylor. See you guys late night. Not that late night. After Dark. After.